0: Welcome to the In Transit podcast, a place where we discuss all things supply chain. I'm your host, Vishnu Rajamanikam. In this episode, we are joined by Bill Katania, the founder and CEO of last mile fulfillment tech firm OneRail, to discuss the approaching peak retail season and how retailers can stay resilient in the face of changing market dynamics. Retail sales this year have been a letdown compared to the previous year as demand struggles to keep pace with consumers who are looking to spend more on services after a couple of years of overspending on retail. Challenges persist on the supply side too, with PPA numbers remaining high. Inflation is still a concern. Transport costs are above pre-pandemic levels and fuel costs are on the rise. A sizable portion of retail businesses still have issues with high inventory-to-sales ratios as stock turnover days exceed the pre-pandemic norm. This ties up capital and combined with overloaded inventories, it becomes a significant challenge for retail operations. Bill joins us this episode to share insights on how retailers can navigate these hurdles by delivering exceptional final mile fulfillment experiences we'll touch on the importance of omnichannel strategies the need to enhance demand forecasting capacities and ways for retailers to remain competitive in this ever-changing landscape so let's dive right ahead into the conversation hey bill welcome to the in transit podcast
1: vishnu thank you i appreciate it it's it's uh, great to connect with you again
0: nice to have you here bill um you're right on time for the peak fright season or probably not as the fright market isn't looking great today um us retailers have ordered way less inventories this year anticipating you know low consumer demand this uh peak season uh what are your thoughts on this how do you see this peak season playing out for the retailers and what do you think they should do
1: Oh, yeah, it's a great question. You know, this, the, though it may be a bit soft, it's still peak season. It's still going to put stress on the supply chain. Uh, there's still a lot of big decisions to make if you're, if you're a retailer or product manufacturer and if you're a logistics operator uh, you know, you have to, you have to plan for it, just like any other peak season. So the, the dynamics and uh, sort of the physics of, of the problem are the same. Um, it's just how you're doing it, you know, maybe a bit different. So, um, with softness, you know, retailers really need to think about their relationships with their customers. You know, they really have to think about how they can win the next sale, right? And if you think about what Amazon did really well, um, you know, it started with uh, really great data, uh, but it was also followed up with really great uh, demand planning and 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 a logistics network that couldn't be more resilient or elastic. Um, they. You, you have to really think about how do you win more? How do you win the next sale? If you can get a customer through the door, uh, during a soft time, you know, you really need to think about how you can sell more to that customer. And that really translates into the importance of how, you know, removing friction, lowering cost, improving vi- uh, visibility. All of those things become very important. And, uh, it doesn't minimize the fact. You know that there's still going to be some of the some of the traditional issues we deal with during a peak season. You know, there's been somewhat of a reset in how uh, a lot of the logistics networks are operating. A lot of them, especially in the freight market, uh, have made adjustments. Supply and demand is efficient, uh, but when you get into the last mile market, um, you, you know you have a little bit of a different set of circumstances because you don't have mature shipping lanes. You don't have the the notion of a lane. Um, and you have a little bit more unstructured capacity so being able to structure capacity being able to make sure that you you know that you can extend uh, a service promise to your customer and then follow through with it uh, is part of that value equation more than ever
0: totally um, I'd like to double click on the customer experience bit here, uh, but in the context of delivery speed bill. Um, So how crucial is the pace of delivery versus delivery visibility to consumers? I understand that they're both pretty important last mile metrics, but do you see customers kind of tilting in favor of either of them?
1: You know, there's a third component that I would argue is maybe even Uh, coupled with visibility, the most important, which would be dependability. So it's really dependability and visibility are are the two most important factors. Speed is always important. Um, Being able, if you're a retailer or a product manufacturer, to align the service possibilities, the service levels that are available to your customers is, is more important than ever, but being able to provide visibility to it and be able to be dependable, you know, do what you say you're going to do, are are, are by far the two most important factors.
0: Got it. Um, I wanted to extend the conversation on the retailers and the fulfillment experience, but by uh, discussing about inventory planning, which I believe is on the other side of the spectrum, right? So I guess it's quite challenging right now to plan for inventory because, you know, e-commerce is in the fray. Um, There's a lot more packaging involved compared to physical retail, there's so much more, uh, there's a significant increase in the need for storage space. And since storage capacity isn't cheap, or it isn't that available, it kind of creates quite a problem with planning. And it doesn't just stop there, does it? Like, Consumers today demand more product variety, and that means retailers have to stock more SKUs, and that makes you know inventory planning that much more harder. So, I would have taken a while to come to the question, but what do you reckon, Bill? Um, how can companies improve their planning and also, of course, their uh, demand forecasting capacities?
1: Yeah, that's that's an excellent question. So, if if you really uh, sort of ask the five whys, right? And to get to the root cause of the problem. Um And, and it's not, it's not that the problem is a symptom of a bad habit or, or an inefficiency. It's a symptom of transformation. So if you think about uh, omni-channel itself, omni-channel creates the need to have decentralized inventory. So if you go back to sort of uh, a multi-channel world where you had bricks and mortar stores and you have DCs, you know, the DCs, they they can fulfill the e-commerce orders uh, and and the bricks and mortar stores can fulfill product out the front door. Uh, That's not the world we're in anymore. You know, we're living in a world now where it all has to be synchronous, right? It all has to work together. It has to be fluid. And as inventory has become decentralized, meaning, uh, inventories being fulfilled out of the store for an e-commerce order, not just e-com, uh, via parcel, but delivery, you know, home delivery that that's introduced a whole nother, uh, array of problems for retailers and for shippers in general. So that decentralization is, is, is key. And then yes, variety is key. So, so customers want more selection than ever. They want fast, efficient, uh, affordable delivery and and shipping. So to do that puts a lot of pressure on a store, a lot of pressure. So if if you kind of go through that thought process, it creates more than ever a a dependency on inventory visibility. You have to see where the inventory is at all times. That's the first thing. And, And you'd be really surprised how many retailers and shippers really don't have visibility to their inventory in real time? Or if they do, it's not synchronous with, with what's being sold out the front door. So you can have e-commerce orders happening in one stream of transactions and uh, call it bricks and mortar transactions happening at the point of sale. And sometimes those two things don't talk right? And that's, a, that's typically a function of maybe two different OMSs, could be two different inventory management systems. That's not uncommon. But then when you really, if you really want to compound the problem, uh, there's not enough communication or in, in most cases, you know, 80% plus of the circumstances, the transportation system that's, that's executing the shipping, doesn't always have real-time visibility to where the inventory is. So the inability to rate shop transportation, to find the lowest cost, most dependable path doesn't exist. Um, There's sort of a, 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 call it a static process that says if Vishnu is in in zip code A and store is in zip code Y, that's the closest store, then that's where you must fulfill the inventory from. And that's really the wrong way to do it. You know, you really should have a fluid view of your your inventory such that it picks the inventory from the right place at the right time uh, that's most efficient to fulfill to that customer. And what we see are a lot of baskets that are abandoned in the e-commerce experience because a customer might wanna buy 10 things, but the OMS is saying, well, only nine of those things are in stock at the store that's closest to Vishnu. Uh, In that case, there's no, there's no solution for that, for that order, and it just cancels the order. And that, believe it or not, is, is, the, is the rule, not the exception right now. So it's really a triangulation of variables, of inventory, of consumer, and transportation that all have to work in real time, synchronously, to, to, to be able to optimize that inventory problem. Um, there's a lot of product that's getting left on the shelf because it, it's losing in that equation. And it's making it even more difficult for retailers uh, to provide the selection and the dependability and the affordable shipping because it's a virtuous cycle of problems.
0: You know, this reminds me of the issue with data interoperability. Uh, in the sense that there are a lot of data streams going on within transport operations and they aren't interacting properly enough. Yeah. Um, um, from what I see, this lack of alignment between different options and different processes is kind of a crucial issue, especially if we are looking at all the omni-channel options that uh, companies are putting forward for fulfillment. So how challenging is this scenario for shippers, Bill?
1: Oh, it's exceptionally challenging, right? Um, The problem is there's no one way to solve the problem. You know, what we have is this legacy uh, tech stack that many retailers have, and that tech stack uh, may have four or five different systems that are not talking to each other, or they're not talking to each other uh, accurately, or they're not talking to each other fast enough. And whenever you start to introduce those choke points, you start, you start losing efficiency. And uh, I think that's notable. You know, right now, the retailers realize during COVID that, oh, they have a lot of work to do. You know, and that was a, about a two-year period after COVID. So, say, 2022, even early 23, most retailers kind of got to that point and did whatever it took to meet the new demand, called the new demand for e-commerce, um, and now most retailers are in a mode where they're really trying to figure out what can they, uh, what can they leave behind. You know, are there streamlining technologies that will allow them to maybe eliminate two or three systems for the sake of having one system that has that fully coupled capability to not only see data but act upon it. So it's not only visibility but it's execution technology that's required. Uh, to be able to become efficient. And if I relate to the other example, you asked how hard Omnichannel is. It's really hard because if you go back to the early 2000s when we were in the, you know, the beginning of multi-channel, when e-commerce really started to become a channel, um, companies like Walmart, believe it or not, licensed their e-commerce business away to companies that specialized in e-commerce fulfillment. They didn't even own their e-commerce. It was a different company operating walmart.com um, most people don't know that that's, that's right because i'm old now and remember it but the reality is um your e-commerce business has to be fully synchronous so there's a there's a number of dependent systems tms oms ecom platform omnichannel orchestration capabilities don't exist in any of those systems so you need some type of unifying technology to bring them together so they can talk in real time. And then you start introducing things like parcel shipping systems that generate a label. Um, you start you start introducing couriers and carriers that offer same-day and next-day delivery. But what do they integrate to? So you start dealing with a lot of problems, and the problem, the, the root cause is in executing omni-channel the ability to align your systems for real-time decisioning and execution Um, and then the second thing uh, not to underscore the operational dependencies that's one of the things that we see uh, as being one of the biggest risks to omni-channel is how do you get your whole company to align operationally down at the store level with the store being able to fulfill orders Uh, that's a big challenge operationally especially when you start talking about a thousand 2,000, 5,000, 15,000 stores.
0: This is actually making me wonder if omnichannel strategies is something that can actually help um, level the playing field um, when compared to, you know, the large and omnipresent retailers versus the small SME retailers, right? So do you see this, you know, jumping back to our discussion on fulfillment experiences in itself... Do you think omni-channel strategies for the last mile is something that all kinds of retailers can leverage irrespective of the scale and the size of their business?
1: I absolutely do. And, you know, I could make a case uh, either way. I think it's actually more challenging in some ways for bigger retailers because they have more uh, gravity to fight, right? They have more change management to deal with. Their capex is so much bigger if if, if they have... Uh, 20,000 shopping lanes versus none, right? If you're if you're a Shopify retailer, if you're pure e-commerce or even a small retailer that might only have 100 stores, 10 lanes a store, you know, a 1,000 shopping lanes. So the more capex, the more complexity, um, the answer is yes. You know, the, the complexities are just different, right? Whether you're a large retailer or a small retailer, what it really comes down to is the commitment to change, you know, you have to make a commitment. Um, you know, one rail just announced, uh, about a month ago that we went live with Lowe's home improvement. We're powering omni-channel orchestration, same day delivery at Lowe's and all 1700 stores. Um, that was a really big decision that Lowe's had to make, you know, more than a year ago to be committed to the systems changes, the it and product development that had to happen for them to be able to offer omni-channel to their customers. Um, the, the selection process of finding a partner like OneRail that can really streamline that 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 capability set and deliver it to them along with the capacity right we're bringing our 12 million driver network to the table to be able to ensure that same day delivery can happen uh, and then and then the most important part and I'll, I'll say it over and over again is the focus on change management in the store now all of a sudden there's a different way that products are picked and packed there's a whole different management. Uh, process that has to happen in order to enable that. And then getting to the omni-channel part of it, uh, you know, of course, omni-channel is being able to experience a retailer the same way, no matter if you go in the store, online, or via mobile. That's the thing that Lowe's has done really well is the full commitment to online. You know, if I'm a consumer, I can order, uh, but also in-store, which we just started doing, where you can go to the point of sale and actually trigger a delivery. That's true omni-channel. And that commitment is not one to be taken lightly. Um, I'd have to say it's not. It's not hard. It's it's really just getting to the place that you can be fully committed to it. Um, there's nothing worse than half a commitment. And in the case of Lowe's, as an example, obviously they're our customer, um, but they've made a full commitment, and that's the reason we're so excited about that opportunity. And you know, that's why I think they're they're successful in that transition.
0: Interesting. Interesting. What are some of the common challenges or um, headwinds that you see companies struggle with that can be solved with a bit of focus, you know, kind of like the low-hanging fruits out there?
1: Well, you know, the one that's probably the easiest to solve for them is the the biggest challenge, which is the cross-functional interdependencies. So if you you go back again, even 10 years, uh, maybe even five years um, many decisions around, hey, are we going to offer same-day delivery? Are we going to offer some type of expedited delivery from store? Are we going to turn our stores into warehouses? Transportation was really on the hook for that decision. And what's happened is now you're seeing companies with emerging uh, heads of omni-channel, uh, EVP omni-channel, VP omnichannel. You're starting to see even e-commerce splinter off into an omnichannel role. Um, and, and that's bi- that's a big difference from where the world was five years ago and especially 10 years ago. So no longer uh, in most cases does transportation sort of sit in a silo and make these decisions. It's not purely a procurement based decision. It's a strategic decision. So that means it's now more cross-functional. So it's not uncommon for one rail to see you know, a president of store ops get involved in a decision. It's It's not uncommon to see, a chief digital officer or chief customer officer getting very involved in making a decision. And it's especially not uncommon now to see a CEO say, this is what we're going to do, and then aligning their team to that objective. The other thing I'll say that that's an interesting transformation is the role of the chief supply chain officer. Um, For many years, the head of supply chain sat under operations. They reported to the COO as an operational function. You're starting to see more and more now the chief supply chain officer being a C-level role that reports to the CEO. That, to me, is one of the leading indicators whether a company is really ready to be an omnichannel leader or not. If they don't have a C-level Because there's companies that have a a, a chief supply chain officer, but they don't report to the CEO. That's a really good indicator they're not ready for omni-channel transformation yet.
0: Talking of transformation and just the idea that supply chains are slowly not being looked at like a cost center, but probably like a service differentiator in itself. Um, What is the trend looking like, Bill? I'm looking to compare the pre-pandemic status quo with what's happening today? Do you see that companies are a lot more open to discussions on visibility? Do you see managements being more open uh, adopting technologies, even if it involves a significant bit of investment right at the start?
1: Yeah. If you, if you look at a really practical example, it gets back to the way Uh, the way a lot of the solutions, uh, that retailers have, have, have relied upon, you know, for many years, how they were architected. And it gets back to that very simple example of I'm a retailer. You know, I now have decentralized my inventory, which means I'm relying on my order management system to tell me where product is. If, if that retailer is allowing kind of a, I call it a static decision to be made. In other words, again, Julia is sitting in zip code 27106. Therefore, the closest store to Julia uh, is where the order must be fulfilled from. If that logic exists, they're not ready to really optimize omnichannel yet. And, and here's why. That type of scenario... Um, first of all doesn't have the right kind of visibility so when we talk about visibility it's a term that's been used a lot you know since 2017 2018 pandemic probably made it the most used word on uh, cnbc for a while uh, which which is great right supply chain uh, was never really talked about much but when it comes to visibility it has to be the right kind of visibility and it has to be the type of visibility that's real time uh, that then has execution capabilities tied to it so simply knowing that the inventory is in locations A, B, and C is great. Um, but the reality is most retailers don't have that, that real-time capability to make a decision if the visibility uh, tells them that the, that the inventory is not in the right location. Then what? You know, So do you just let the cart be abandoned? Do you just cancel the order? And unfortunately, that's where a lot of paths end is a customer being told sorry the inventory is not available when actually it is available maybe eight miles further and and this is the crooks of of of, i think the my answer retailers have been hyper focused on the lowest possible delivery cost without contemplating loss of margin when an order is abandoned so if you can follow the logic if i could see Every store in a, in, a, in a market, Every say every store, all the inventory at every store in Dallas, Texas. And I now have a solution that says, hey, you can fulfill this product. It's going to be another $4 of cost in delivery. The retailer, more times than not, is, it should be willing to accept that extra cost if it allows the order to go through. Because what's happening is most orders are defaulting to a cancel if the order inventory is not available in full at the closest store to the shopper. That triangulation between inventory, transportation and consumer is absolutely critical. And that's where, that's where I see and where we see at one rail, one of the greatest limitations right now to making omnichannel truly work. Um, so it's static logic versus dynamic logic, and execution capabilities. It's the next unlock. It's the next chapter in, in enabling Omnichannel to really work the way it's supposed to.
0: That's pretty comprehensive, uh, Bill. I think in the end, it kind of boils down to better streamlined data and processes and and you know, add on good visibility to build better Omnichannel networks. Um, thanks for that. But before we end our conversation, uh, What's your biggest piece of advice for retailers to navigate these challenging times, bro? Uh, What's that one thing uh, they should absolutely focus on uh, to come ahead in the market?
1: Yeah, you know, there's short-term and long-term advice. You know, unfortunately, sometimes retail, just given the size of it, especially when you start dealing with many, many stores and many, many departments now that are impacted by these decisions... Uh it's difficult to make a, a big decision, or shall I say it's difficult to make a decision that can have massive impact that doesn't take a lot of time. You know, a lot of time in first of all diagnosing what your problem is, second of all, allowing the time to find the right partners and solutions and then implementing it, and then change management, right? That's how you always hear, you know, overnight change in retail can take two to three years. Um but when we break it down into short term versus long-term. Short-term, you know, there's solutions out there now that are aggregating capacity. One rail is one of them. You know, there's the ability to get a lot more fluidity uh, and elasticity in in your last mile capacity. That's the lowest fruit. That's a solution that could be ready in in a month, you know, with very little tech lift um, to be able to offer more fluidity uh, and, and that's something that exists today without having to get uh, you know, Congress involved, if you will. Um, but the bigger decision is, you know, how can you streamline your tech stack? Um, if you look at tech stacks and you look at the different systems that enable e-commerce specifically, they're very linear. And that's the problem. They're very linear and they're very sequenced. And the reality is they need to be nonlinear and they need to be more vertical, in real time so solutions need to operate like this not like this because that's this is how commerce operates now that's what omnichannel is all about it's 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 more of a vertical uh, uh capability stack so understand what's holding your capabilities back reverse engineering that and you know what there may be three four five different things you don't even need in your stack anymore so that rationalization is not easy But it takes a really close look at how do you streamline that stack? Because the more you remove from the stack, the more single source of truth you have, the more uh, accuracy and speed you have. Uh, And and it gets you to that outcome of of really fluidly being able to execute an omni-channel strategy. And then the third thing I would say, it kind of relates to the first thing I, I, I led with, which is the low fruit is a multi-carrier strategy. There's nothing that'll hold back omni-channel more than a single carrier strategy. Um, And and when we see that, that's typically endemic of transportation, you know, really probably having a little too much control over an omni-channel decision. And and typically, it means that there's not enough strategic uh, uh, minds at the table across the company. So, if, you, if we find companies in a, in a single-carrier-type strategy mindset, we move on to the next company. It's that simple. So really get strategic around multi-carrier uh, mindset. That's what's going to unlock the fluidity and elasticity you need to execute today better, uh, more accuracy, lower cost, uh, more options for your customers, which is, is what they are looking for. But the harder decisions, the longer-term decisions, You have to get real introspective about what you're trying to do and then how do you rationalize, remove different elements of your tech stack, upgrade to some of the newer technologies that are out there that are API-driven and cloud-driven versus on-prem. We still see on-prem shipping uh, platforms, which is mind-boggling in 2023. Um, So those are some of the things that I would would say. And then the the last thing, I know this is four, I said I'd have three, um, is returns. You just cannot... Uh, say enough about returns and and the fact that that's the next big problem. Um, Having a fluid returns process where a customer can return to the store or return to a return node or even offering the ability to have returns picked up from a customer. Um, It's why some of the leading e-commerce platforms have done such a great job. Uh, Companies like Wayfair and, of course, Amazon, Walmart's done a great job with returns. Returns are the key to success once you get past how to make it go forward, you got to make it go reverse. And, and customers are really looking at returns policies when they're deciding if they're going to buy from you. You know, that's something customers have become very intelligent around returns platforms. So that's the last thing I would say. If you can make it go forward, that's great. you got to make it be able to go in reverse as well.
0: Great, Bill. A lot of interesting insights, and I completely agree with uh, returns and the potential of uh, companies leveraging a great returns process. And especially with the peak season coming, I guess um, it's going to be a lot more important to have a solid and resilient uh, returns process. It's been wonderful time having you here. Bill, appreciate you joining me on the show.
1: I appreciate it as well, Vishnu. Thank you. And, uh, Hope, hope the best for all of our retailers out there in the ecosystem this holiday season. I know as a customer, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's our favorite time of year and it's always made better by a great retail experience. So thank you again for the time today to talk
0: about this. Thanks again. This wraps up another episode of the In Transit podcast. To learn more or to hear previous episodes, check out our website at semr.com slash podcast all or check the podcast segment on thelogisticsreport.com. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.